Welcome to Indie Odyssey, a writer's journey, aka publishing hell. My name is Hazel. I am Jamie. We will take you step by step as we launch our writing careers. And today's episode is all about fear because my book launches in like a month and a half and a fear is coming up for me. And I was like, we should talk about fear generally, but also as it relates to book release. Yay. yay, It is a bit fear inducing, but we have to touch on that, but also touch on fears in general of doing indie slash self-publishing, which I think most people consider indie self-publishing these days. Well, Um, and just generally fears about writing things that come up. That's true. Because we're still writers, whether or not we're doing this ourselves or, you know, you go through a traditional publishing house, we are still writers at the core and putting books out there is the same thing as like a reader is a reader, right? So like, am I a writer if I haven't written for four months? <laughs> I'm like, I don't feel like a writer yes. these days. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm doing literally, other things. <laughs> this, I mean, it, it tangentially relates to this topic. I think in some ways I'm afraid of writing again because of just the year that I've had. Um, I've had a very, very insecure year in terms of my own, writing process, my own works. Um, I trusted the wrong people and I got really hurt from that. And it turns out people can really, really deeply affect you internally. Uh, and I had to take a long break from writing. And so I'm over here like, do I even know how to write anymore? Can I go back? I mean, obviously I can. I'm a, I've written five or six or seven or how many I can't. It depends on how you count your books. Um, so I know I can do it, but yeah, it's a, it's hard when, when you have insecurities and fear that it getting in the way of writing and, um, all that jazz. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I think, sure. We can focus a little bit on the fears of like specifically doing self-publishing, um, indie publishing, but we're still writers. So that those fears kind of overlap and there's layers to those fears as well. Where do you want to start? I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, let's just start at the very beginning. <laughs> A very good place to start. You're like, are you going to quote the sound of music every time we do a podcast? <laughs> And the answer is yes. But you still don't know what it is. So every time I quote it, you're like, what are you, what are you doing? No. Coming off of our first podcast, right? Talking about uh, the author who, you know, kind of the, the only best way to put this is shit on indie publishing, right? Um, let's start there because that I think has a lot that comes up for us. Yeah, I actually think that I agree because I think that a lot of the fear of doing self-publishing. Um, I know I keep saying self-publishing indie, they're interchangeable to me, um, is I think the fear of jumping in and doing it, like taking it and running with it and saying that you're going to do it because of the fear that surrounds the perception when you decide to do this. And that's a big like rubber band ball that you can take layer and layer and layer off of, but absolutely would say that that's a huge one. Well, yeah. And I mean, we, we, we've experienced 
this from both sides. I mean, if you asked me five years ago, my views on indie publishing, I would have not been a very positive person. I would have, you know, I only wanted to do traditional publishing and I had a lot of like negative views of indie as well. So I'm not saying that like, I, you know, I think, I think even because of that, I have those fears. Like I, I often feel the need to be like, I had an agent. I do have validity, you know, like in conversations to be like, no, look, I am, I I was chosen once by someone, you know, um, because there is a lot of those fears that like, I'm only doing indie publishing because I failed in traditional. I would say, okay, before I was a writer and I was a reader, I don't think I knew and or cared. So I would purchase books on Amazon that were recommended to me. If I, if they looked interesting and I liked the cover, I would buy them. Like that's how I found one series, actually two series that I liked, uh, which two doesn't sound like a lot, but I'm just saying like, I didn't care if the book sounded good and it, you know, probably had good reviews or whatever. I just would buy it and then I would read it and I liked it. And then when I became a writer is when that idea that traditional was the way that I wanted to go and the way that you quote should go or that that's the, the way to do it uh, kind of set in, I would say. And that was probably about four years ago. And I was kind of like, Oh, I don't want to do self-publishing. I'm going to do traditional publishing. And here I am four years later. (laughs) I would say I didn't even read a lot of indie publishing books until the last like three years, because the majority of them didn't have audiobooks and, for those of you who don't know, I don't read with my eyes. It's like an ongoing joke that I refuse to do it. Um, I only do it for my own books and critiquing other people's books. But in general, like as a reader, as uh, doing it for fun, um, even just for research, I, 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 it's just so exhausting to read with my eyes. So I don't do it. So I didn't even get a lot of exposure to indie publishing because it is so expensive to produce a audiobook as I fucking know because I fucking paid for it this week. Fuck me. Anyway. um, So aka order her book on Audible. Please, for the love of God. Anywhere. It's why. That's true. (laughs) Order the audiobook. Help me pay this shit off. Uh, kind of changing a little bit, but that's another fear, right? Of, uh, of this money spent, um, which we can get to, but yeah, you know, indie publishing has changed as we've said before, I think in our first episode is because of the, the quality is better. And I'm not, I mean, you can't even lie like, or act like that wasn't part of the problem before. Well, well, and, and, and it's, it's, there is always going to be a diverse level of quality, in indie publishing because all of my friends there's i have tons of friends who've been doing it for 10 years who are incredible writers Mm -hmm. and have always been incredible writers and they've been at the top of their game and they are at the top of the game and they're indie um and so but for it's been easier for people who hadn't had access that are still good writers to publish now and i mean we can't have this conversation without talking about romanticy i feel like because there was nobody hitting that genre at least for us right because if you really think about what what i read is only like ya fantasy and historical romance and rom-com those are only the things that i read um and for a long long time in fantasy you could not 
do indie publishing well until this romanticy wave because traditional publishers weren't buying it. So for the last five years, indie changed. I don't know if I agree with that 100% because six, seven years ago is when I bought that one series and it was fantasy. Uh, I don't know if it was maybe, well, maybe slight dystopian, which is actually even more rare um, that I found it again through Amazon's whatever or algorithm back then. And then the other series that I read, it's like six books. And I was like on Kindle at work reading. It. I was, I was addicted to it. <laughs> and that was a fantasy straight up fantasy series that I found, you know, on Amazon ebook. And um, that was actually like almost six years ago. So I think that it, you could, but it's exploded. Well, I think it was was harder to get an, mm-hmm. an audience. Like, you think so? What do yeah, you think was more po- most popular? One hundred percent fantasy indie was not a good place to be. Only the best rose to the top because um, because it it was so hard. Because all of the people, like the audience, was reading YA fantasy or they were reading adult fantasy. There wasn't really this middle. Oh, okay, game. okay. You know what I mean? The romantic fantasy didn't really exist. It kind of did. So I see what you're saying like you're you're saying more like this romanticy in the terms of romanticy as a kind of bridge between it's it's really that kind of NA that was never given to us that has really expanded in indie. Well, and I would still argue that Indian YA is still incredibly hard and traditional mm-hmm. publishing still has the market on that. And that's yeah. I again goes back to why I think it was hard to indie, at least in our genre until yeah. until Sarah Jamas like really hit the stratospheric level and then you know Shelby Mahurin and then if you look at the actual indie authors like Laura Thalassa uh with Rhapsodic and um I, I, by the way I will pronounce everything wrong guys so <laughs> just ignore it um you know and Elise Kova and Carissa <laughs> I always want to say Cassandra. What, is it Danielle Jensen too that is real? And Danielle Jensen, yeah. but she's newer to the indie game okay. in a sense because she's really only been doing it for two years. I just, oh, okay. maybe a little over two years, but she was traditionally published before that. And so now she's gone traditionally published indie oh, back to traditional that. and kind of doing a little bit of both. So anyway, in, until Romanticy, I would argue that there just wasn't a place for indie authors in this specific space, but rom-com has always been huge and historical has always been Romance, huge in just in general. Mm-hmm. So those were a lot easier to indie with um, until recently. Indie is coming a little bit more, I hate to say it and it's not fair, but it's becoming more valid. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I, obviously I think I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it wasn't ever valid, but I didn't ever think that I could be successful in it in the genre yeah. I wrote. Okay. Um, I do think that that it's more valid for a lot of people though. Like that, that views, that mindset and that viewpoint. Oh yeah. I think there's a lot of people who don't think it's valid. And I think there's Still. a lot of people who look down on you because of it. And there's a lot of people who look down on you unless you're successful, like super successful. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I mean, we could get into, you know, all of the personal rejections we've experienced over the last six months as we've decided to do this. Yeah. Like people following me. 
<laughs> okay, I don't know if they actually unfollowed me because I posted I was going to go indie, but that's what it felt like, which is a fear based in rejection that you're rejecting me now when you didn't before because I decided to, to do this indie path. Yeah. You've also experienced like in DMs and even personal conversations oh, yeah, where people have been well, you really shouldn't do that. Like, really think about it because it would really affect your career, you know? I'm like, that's my reenactment of your telling of me. And I and I get it. Like, I'm not, I don't get upset at the, at those, everyone has their own right to do whatever they want. I wasn't upset by it or anything like that. I just explained that, but I shouldn't have to explain. I guess that's the point, right? Yeah. I mean, it gets back to like why, why there are fears with us Indying because it's almost like you have to argue and justify that choice. Whereas like, if you got a traditional publishing deal, you would never have to argue or justify that. Right. And yeah, because if I, if I'm not, uh, again, kind of the fear is like, if I'm not successful, are those people going to be like, I told you so, or I was right, or this is why I wasn't interested in you. Well, I mean, that's why I used a pen name, which I, in some ways I deeply regret <laughs> and in other ways I'm like well actually that's kind of good um, yeah. because like now I get to kind of protect that other Instagram and I can be more like just continuously yeah. ridiculous on it the way that I always am yeah. um, but it's really weird having people call me Hazel. That's very strange for me still. And yeah. um, I'm sure it's going to take me a long time to get used to it. Like I actually was on a call this morning with the bookstore who's doing my launch for my book and they called me Hazel. And I was like, it took me a moment to process. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, that is me. But I did, I chose the pen name because I was like, well, if this fails, I want to hide it. But at this point, I fucking can't because I have like fully told everybody <laughs> and their neighbor and their best friend and their seven cats, you know, so like, yeah, if, if it fails, it fails. And I think I got to the place where it's like, well, fuck it. It can fail. I have 27 more books yeah. in me. And just because one fails doesn't mean the other 26. Well, and that's, that's, that's an entrepreneurial mindset, though, is that you do this and you know there's a chance of failure and it doesn't matter because you're going to do it again even if you fail because that's how you succeed right like if you fail you don't give up you don't just say well the one book didn't didn't do well so i'm just going to you know not do this again right like it would be the same thing with writing like it goes back to being a writer if you query and you you know don't get any responses or you you don't get what you're looking for like if if you're just gonna keep going, you're just gonna keep doing it. So it's the same thing in indie. Like if you're just gonna, you're gonna keep publishing books. I think there, there's, there's more weight there because you're spending money to do it. But back to the money. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're here. We're here to talk about money honestly and openly and say it's not for the faint of heart. You can do it in different levels of. Yeah, of you don't money. have to be. You don't have to be like me and spend your left liver and your kidney and your you know both your eyes or whatever <laughs> because that's what it feels like at this point I don't even want to tell true. you how much I put into this fucking I guess book. I guess we'll find out if it's if it if it paid off though you know you know but I I, I have told you this and fear of it failure <laughs> I mean yeah but it doesn't make sense because again it's probably me protecting myself because of the fear all the money that I put into this book I a don't expect back and yeah. b I'm like 
I don't even, I, I can't even process that I will ever make money on this book. Like, I'm like, I really want it to be successful and everyone to love it because I just am a delusional person like that. Uh, and yeah. I believe in it, you know, but, um, but I, <laughs> but on the one hand, I'm like, everyone's going to love this book and it's going to be so amazing. And on the other hand, I'm making no money on it. And they're both existing in my head at the same time. Like I, like in my head, I'm like, I'm going to make no money and but also people are going to love the book and i'm like those two things can't exist together at the same time that just doesn't make any sense um but i think it's protecting myself like well if i look at it like that's just gone money and you can't get it back and whatever you know then i feel better about it yeah but that that is i think that is based out of fear of the failure of doing this you know i i used to say like if you don't have any expectations you know you can't be disappointed Exactly. exactly. And, and I know that that's probably not a great way to think about things, but it's a protection mechanism. Yeah. I mentioned kind of jokingly, but also that there were pe there were some people that unfollowed me um, that I thought I wouldn't have thought that they would. I, and I have no idea why. Again, right? Like, I, I'm not saying that it's because I announced that I was doing indie. Um, they could have unfollowed me far earlier than that, and I just had no idea why. Um, could have been for anything, right? But I just, I, of course, in my head, because I'm going on this path, my automatic assumption is that once I made that post about self-publishing, that they were like, oh, I don't, I'm not interested in following you anymore. It could be totally not a valid fear, but it, it's just like where my brain went because I am afraid of people who I would, would have thought would support me not supporting me because of it is that fear of, of rejection because I guess it wasn't good enough like to do traditional publishing like I couldn't make it in traditional publishing well and I mean and it's probably a more personal experience because some of the people that unfollowed you you know you actually had conversations with it wasn't just a random stranger that you kind of semi semi followed each other you know I have a bunch of those a bunch of people who like I'm like whatever sure I'll continue following you and you're gonna continue following me but do we really care about each other no we don't yeah. you know um but these are people that were more more relationships and that's shitty yeah because I was very specific about um when I was doing my my Instagram account and like who was following me like I would if I had like some rando account follow me, I would immediately delete them, uh, which I could tell was like a bot or something like that. So it was really important to me to create and kind of curate this space on my, my writing Instagram, which is now my primary Instagram account of a community of writing and people who I want to support and like they're there to support me in this journey. And so I think that's why it felt a little bit more of like a rejection because I would say that like most of the people that like I follow, um, or that maybe follow me, like they were interested in my journey, my writing career, my journey. It wasn't just like, hey, we I met you at Target and we both talked about writing and we never talked since. It was like people that I had, I had spoken to, you know, and made more connection with. So it was just kind of like, oh, yeah. did you do this because I announced that I'm doing indie now? It could not be, but I just felt that way. Well, so that, that and it, rejection. And it's hard because, I, I mean, you have the world with you know what our podcast topic was last week with you know the author that went off on indie yeah and the world's kind of telling you like it's not as valid right anybody can indie anybody can do it it's so easy oh my god guys it's, it's actually so really easy. hard <laughs> well actually i 
I had been being told for like three years, you've got to indie, you got to indie, you got to indie. And I was like, no, I can't do it. I am not as good as you guys. Like, I can't do all the things. I don't want to do all the things. And finally, I was like, well, I guess I'll just do all the things, but poorly. <laughs> so, but you know what I mean? Like, so it's really hard. And that was one of the major reasons I didn't do it. So, but to back to the point, I think that you, with the world kind of saying that, and then people in your life reiterating that, and then these people unfollowing you, it's a pattern that's going to make you feel insecure, whether that's truth or reality or just mm -hmm. internal. It doesn't change the way you feel about it and the impact that it's had. Yeah, because I, I was pretty open about querying. And this is the book that I've queried. And um, it's had, um, I sent it to two agents and one agent still hasn't responded. The other agent, um, I got a response today, <laughs> which you have seen. And I'm not mad at the response. It was it, actually, it was a I'm unique situation. I'm mad at it. I'm mad at it. <laughs> well, it was a unique situation. And I, I'm very, very fortunate, though, to have gotten feedback. Because that is not normal at all. So the most bluntiest blunt <laughs> feedback I've ever read in my life. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I God bless her. <laughs> I have worked in really, really high stress jobs, like where you had to be perfect as my job. And I think that's why I'm like not affected by it and not, to and also because I'm like, I don't care. I'm also going to still indie this book, but thank you because I'm going to implement maybe some of that feedback, which I had already kind of done. So people knowing that is a fear for me being like, well, you had an agent reject you and they gave you this feedback of, I mean, I'm not going to say what the feedback was because that's not a here or now thing, which eventually I may share it, but it's still the fear that like, Oh, well, you just sent a hundred queries and you got a 90 per 99% rejection rate. So this book clearly isn't good enough. And that's, that's a fear for people to know that, which I mean, now they're going to know that because we're talking about it. But I'm, I am also saying that I am afraid of people knowing that. So here you all, here you are world. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm afraid of people knowing that because they're going to think that this wasn't good enough and that it's not worth buying because it wasn't good enough to, to be traditionally published yeah or to even get an agent's interest or whatever although there were positive things in that email yeah 100 percent. you're also way must have way thicker skin than me because i read that email and i was like i don't want to hear from you i this this sucks please never contact me ever again because the truth is this agent also has two of my books and has yeah, that's true. not responded in a long time and that's fine i don't want a response thank you um <laughs> so because i'm i'm just more sensitive yeah. um but yeah, but I think there's validity in what you're saying because it gets down to like, well, I failed on submission and like, mm. well, then maybe I'm not good enough because I failed on submission or even just going back to this agent. Like she's had these two books for, you know, five months now. Like, is, she, is it, did she read them and she just forgot about me or is she just waiting to see what happens with Courting War or is it like, but it makes you, it really honestly makes you feel like you're not good enough when, when trad comes in 
and rejects you. It makes you feel like you're you're not good enough. Um, and that can be really a big fear. And then you're like, well, okay, is everyone else thinking that too? Like, I'm not good enough. Um, and that's obviously not the reality of yeah. the situation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do agree. And I know that, which is why I'm still pursuing indie because it is good enough. Like readers have read it and loved it. You've complimented my prose. The person who read it complimented my prose. And then even this agent who sent this email still complimented my prose. And so in the most, of course it's good enough. <laughs> she complimented. She complimented it's your okay. prose in the most. It was a compliment. Yeah, it was a compliment, but it was like, <laughs> to me, I'm like in the most rude way possible. It's like, that's like a compliment that comes with a slap. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's a good example? It's like were, the prose are fine. <laughs> we can cut this. <laughs> No, it's funny because, but it is a compliment. It's a compliment because like with this person, that's a huge compliment. It's like somebody who doesn't know how to compliment is like, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was great. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That's not a compliment in my book. Like a, like a Sheldon compliment. (laughs) It was fine. Oh, that is funny. And you, you know, and we know that that, that's kind of how this person is with their compliments. So... Um, but again, I mean, but sorry, <laughs> that was just funny. Um, back on track. I don't okay. need any compliments. Please never talk to me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a weak little um, baby. Don't, don't talk to me. I lost my train of thought. Um, I'm sorry. I anyway, it is good enough. I think that's where I was getting at. Like, yes, I, I'm hiring an editor. I am currently editing it again to strengthen the book even more because I haven't read it in a year. And so there are things that I was like, okay, like I can fix this. Like, because I, because I wasn't planning to indie it before that I wrote the best book I could write. And then I wanted to query it. So I queried it. And I actually was like, maybe I shouldn't have queried this, <laughs> but I wouldn't have never known that had I not done that. And nor had I like gone through this and decided to, to do indie and like, I get to do what I want now, like, um, with it. And it was still a good story. Like there's not really like any issues with it plot and stuff like that, but, um, I can make it better, I guess is, is the, yeah. is the thing. Changentially related. Can we talk about what I just did? Yes. <laughs> because it's related, right? Um, in the most, I don't know if it's like, I don't, I don't even know how to qualify this, but I recently, hired an editor who oh yes who rejected me on submission with gilded wicked mirrors um i found this person on readsy and i immediately knew exactly who they were because they don't give you their last name but i was like i know who this person is i know they rejected me on submission and i even have their rejection so i went back and reread the rejection and i was like yeah yeah i could hire this person so i literally submitted a like um like a request um for the book that she rejected on submission um (laughs) and she wrote back and was like i remember this book which is a huge compliment it was a huge compliment i mean that book has such a unique world so and and every editor was like oh my god this is so unique fresh and interesting but it's not for me and i hate you i mean i'm sorry 
let me rephrase it this world is so unique and fresh and interesting but this isn't for me because blah 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 but in my brain i took it as we hate you yeah you're not good enough <laughs> you're not good enough you're never gonna be good enough so um there's fear of course relating to that because it's like okay what if she hates it i mean obviously she already rejected this book but then i'm kind of like the best thing like i'm gonna make this person help me fix this book which was great because i think i'm I'm actually glad you did that because it was it was validating that the editor wrote back responded that they remembered the book and then even complimented you on the book and the story but just said it wasn't a fit for the imprint at the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that was nothing i don't think that person could have done anyway even if they would have tried to take it and sell it, it may have been rejected by acquisitions. Exactly. That is actually a good turn of events in the sense that it, it was validated that it is a good book and that it should be in the world because it was interesting or is interesting and there is a place for it and there are readers for it. And this is why indie exists <laughs> because Trad decides to make these decisions based on whatever the hell they're decision-making strategy is and it doesn't always mean that it's right and why you if you believe in your book and you truly think that there's a market for it I mean you you do have to know your market and what you're trying to achieve because this is still a business you are still putting a product out there and you have to know okay does this fit? Had I written a different book, I may not have decided to do this. I know this book will fit the market for the readers I'm going to try to, just general readers, but also like indie readers, um, any reader, readers who love this kind of a book. Like I know that they exist and they're there. So why would I give up on myself? Had I written a cozy mystery, like I probably wouldn't be doing this. Even though you can cozy mystery indie, I'm not saying that, but Romanticy is really popular right now. It's um, what I've written and that's what's doing also well. Not that other genres aren't, but it's what I know that I can do that is doing well as well so that there is a fit for this type of a book. This book in particular, the one that I hired the editor who rejected me, um, that book is kind of my epic series. It's the one that I'm like, it's the book of my heart. It's like my everything. It's why I didn't indie at first. I wanted to establish an audience before I went and published the books that mattered a little bit more to me. Not that I'm saying that courting war doesn't matter. It totally does. It's just in my opinion, not my like Everest. It's not my epic book, you know? Um, so I really want to get this book right. And I've always felt like there's something still missing and wrong with it. I felt like my agent couldn't get it to the proper place that I felt like it needed to be. And also, I think maybe there's a timing and a universe thing to it where it's like it was just was not the timing for that book to be successful and be whatever it's going to be. You know, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm hoping it's going to be very big um, in a way that like, it's successful for me. I don't know what big means, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just the one that like, to me is like my, my thing. So yeah, but I mean, getting back to the rejection on submission, it really did make me feel not valid. And it did make me feel like in this world of writing, there is, it feels like there are levels of people 
and situations and things that where they just don't care about you until you have something to show them that is successful. And because I was failing so much on submission, it made me feel like those people didn't think I was valid or enough or a good writer. Um, And with all of the rejection on submission, it almost felt like those people were like, well, she's not even like, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's whether it's true or not, that's how it came off to me. Um, and well, this person got like a super huge book deal in two days and this person got a huge book deal and you know, all this different stuff. And it's like, well, I never got that. So therefore I'm not valid enough. Mm -hmm. So the rejection made, it made me even question my own abilities and, um, writing, uh, and it, and it made writing really difficult for me. Um, but in the end, like, I'm a fucking amazing writer and I just have to get back to that. But those fears exist because that rejection then leads to more rejection in your personal life, going back to what kind of you're talking about with the unfollows and stuff. I saw people completely treat me differently after I got an agent and then failed on submission. Yeah, it's really tough. And I think we've probably hit on that enough, but I don't think it's just a perception. I think that is actually a reality that 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 happens, that people do still have this perception and this thought towards indie publishing. Um, It's gotten better. We've said that before, but I think leading me into reader rejection um and which i guess would then be failing but it's this fear of failing um because we're putting time so much time and effort and love like these are stories which i don't a book is not for every person and every reader but i want everyone to love this and i want this to be the next big book people are talking about we all want that i don't i think even traditional I think it would be a lie if we didn't all say we wanted, like, there are people out there, I'm sure, who are like, I'm fine with being a mid-lister or just No, I want this, my like, book really to whatever. sell 100,000 copies. No, most writers want to be fucking Rebecca Yaros or Sarah J. Maas. Let's not fucking lie about it. Come okay, on. so this is, this is, uh, my friend sent it to me today. I actually sent it to you. So a friend sent it to me and then I sent it to you. I know there's been some things said about this author, but Brandon Sanderson, um, he just signed like 5,000 copies of his book and they asked him like, well, how do you do your signature? And he's like, I developed this method of signing that didn't involve wrist movement so that I could sign with my arm so that it doesn't tire my arm out. Well, how did you know that you would sell this many copies? And he's like, well, I didn't know, but I planned for the future. And I was like, yes, (laughs) that is the energy that we all need going into 2024 (laughs) and beyond. (laughs) But, but that's, that's we as writers, if we, yeah, exactly. Like you said, if we, if we're like, I don't, I don't know. I just want to, you know, sell enough to make break even like, no, I, that's not, I would, I want people to love my story and this book and this world. And I want to sell a hundred thousand copies and that's okay because I should have, I should have those dreams. I should have dreams to hit lists and to give be given awards and stuff. Maybe not with this book, but like, if this is my career, those are the things that I'm going to want. I could care very little about awards. I just want 
I just I want, want big fans. Like, I want fans, and I want money. Well, yeah. But apparently, I think my book's going to be incredibly successful, but I'm going to make no money off of it, so we still can't <laughs> make that f- work in our brain. But, like, no, I mean, I just, I wouldn't even know what awards I would want to win. I don't even know, because I just, I don't, it's not that I don't care about that. Of course, I would love to win any award. Give me all the awards. Um, I just don't feel like, to me, what the award would be is people like pre-ordering my book the first time they hear about it or they're like, yeah. or they're like waiting for you to like announce your next book or they're like super excited yeah. and like they, like they line up, you know, like when I go to a Stephanie Garber event and like yeah. they have to have wristbands because it's so freaking long of a line that they yeah. have to have like literally organized by wristbands. That's the level of like success I want. The mm-hmm. awards are just like whatever. I I mean I'm glad you want awards. I'm not saying you should not want awards. I'm just like I wouldn't like, even know what fucking stage, awards I'd like, want to have. Thank you. I just want everyone to love me. Um, oh I don't my actually God. know like and that that but that's actually something that I don't even know if they do awards like that in indie like indie writers get awards like that. Um, well, I mean, in theory, I want a good writing is writing, and we should be up for any <laughs> fucking award. But whatever. Even though there was drama around Goodreads, I still want uh, my book to be voted on the Goodreads Choice Awards, and I want to win a category. Okay. I mean, if we're really being like, if we're talking crazy, like crazy, crazy, crazy dreams, I want to win a Goodreads category against Sarah J. Mass. Right. <laughs> It'll never happen because I'm not bad delusional. But, like, we can pretend. (laughs) But bottom line is, I think, coming back to, like, the fear of readers rejecting it. We don't want that. Like, we have this fear of it being rejected because we want to be successful. And we want this to be a career. I work a eight to four job. I work in tech. And I love my job. I love my company but I want to be a career author. So for me to leave my job and to be a career author, I have to be successful at this. And what is, you know, everyone has a different level of success, but the level of success that I need is the level that will get me to be able to quit my job and write full time. What's a financial level. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so I, that's what I'm working for. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like if readers reject me and I fail, (laughs) which is a real fear, then that can't happen. Well, and it's not even just a real fear. It's a real possibility, right? I mean, I hate to be the Debbie Downer. Like, I just went <laughs> I just went in crazy level, like, you know, dreams. But let's bring it back to reality. Like, right. most books, indie, even trad, don't yeah. do very well. Let's be true. Like, they just don't. And well, you can be, like, super, super good at what you do and still have a book fail. That is so true. I think i don't know if it was in the one of the last episodes but i think i mentioned that most books i saw um an agent i follow who gives out data said that most books don't even sell five thousand copies or if it's even two or something like that like some or that one out of two out of ten books sell more than ten thousand copies or something like that and it's a very sobering statistic but also at the same time i'm like I'm going to beat that statistic. I'm going to show you all. But uh, also there's this reality of like, actually that may not be true. Well, can I talk about my fear that's kind of related to this? Um, 
be, I guess it would be successful. So I've had a lot of people, not a lot of people read the book at this point, but I've had enough people read the book at this point and a lot of my close friends. And even strangely enough, the very first person who was not my friend who got a copy of this book, they won it because of the, um, the cover reveal Mm. and read the book Oh, yeah. Became obsessed with the book. DM'd me, was like, can, can you give one of my friends this book? I want to, like, scream about this book from the rooftops. Um, and her and her friend then read the book, right? Sent her the book. And both of them are like, I want this book to be super big. And then all of my cl- close friends who read the book were like, I think this is going to blow up. It's going to be good. It's going to be super successful. And, like, I'm already a delusional n- narcissist. That's <laughs> a joke, everyone. But I already think highly enough of myself. I'm a pretty confident person. And I live in the land of the Lulu. Except um, for you're not going to make any money, but you're going to sell a lot of copies. <laughs> exactly. The, the land of the Lulu. Have you been here? Come in. I'm, I think I'm there with you. <laughs> People have said that to me and I'm like, please stop. I'm already in the land of the Lulu. Right. Um, but of course I want to hear it because I, I, I like external validation. But then the we fear is like, the fear is like, people keep saying that. And I'm like, well, what if it doesn't? And what if it sucks? And what if people hate it? And what if blah, 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 blah. And the reality is you're going to get one star reviews. You're going to have people who hate it. You're going to have, you know, more, probably more four stars than five stars, more whatever. And so it's like, um, there's a, there's a fear for me that because everyone has said it and I live in this land of the Lulu that like, I will be devastated if it doesn't do well, not even just super successful, just well. Um, yeah, especially because you are in that stage where, because you have people reading it now, you have ARC readers and they're reviewing it. And so, yeah, that's every day you're like, am I going to get tagged in a review? And is it going to be a bad review? Which hopefully, obviously, people would know better. But that. somebody will. Somebody will tag me in 100%. a bad review. And it's going to happen. Um, and the thing is like, so I have had my Goodreads taken away from me for no, re- no other reason than like, people are like, I don't think it's healthy for you. And I don't mm. think it's healthy for me either. And I am, I have enough self-control to stay away. Um, but for now, God, yeah, let's keep it. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to be tagged in something that, is mean. I don't want to be tagged in something that is, you know, um, because it's just not going to be healthy for me. And I, I actually kind of want to talk about this real quick. This is a PSA for anybody out there who would be listening to this, who is a reader, but I feel like the audience will probably be more writers. I don't know, but anybody who who's out there, who is a reader, if you tag an author in a negative review, that's going to hurt that author for a day, two days, a week. You don't know how long, but I know it's going to hurt them. And here's the thing that might keep that author from being able to write that day or that week or that two weeks. Now, imagine that's your favorite author and they're not able to write for two weeks because somebody said something mean to them. So just don't do it. Right? Just don't yeah, do but- it. I mean, we are, I think writers know not to do that, but we, as writers, we're, we are readers. So, yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, Goodreads is for the readers. Goodreads, go off, say whatever you want to do. Just don't tag authors. Agreed. In negative reviews, right? Um, because that is not for me. I don't need to be tagged mm-hmm. in that. Um, 
And, and it, and it does deeply affect me personally. And I don't want to not have to write for two weeks because I feel upset and have to go crawl into a hole, you know? Um, because I, I want people to say whatever they want about my book. That's totally fine. I just well, want to be tagged in it. Yeah. Cause they have a right to have their opinion on your book, but I think that's the point that a lot of authors make indie or traditional is just don't go put it on Goodreads and make a post about it, but don't tag the author. Well, and the other thing is a lot of these one stars and two star reviews actually sell your book. They're not bad because they might be complaining. No. Like, oh my God, this there's a one bed scene and oh my God, they're chained together. And another person might read that and be like, oh my God, that's like my favorite fucking thing. Right. So bad reviews are not necessarily bad for your book. I just don't want to personally see them. Yeah, I agree. Cause I look at reviews when I'm at a bookstore and I don't know anything about the book. Like I will scan Goodreads and I know there was something just recently I saw on threads and like who, who writes reviews and read reviews anymore. I'm like, I do. But, um, and I do that because I actually look at the bad reviews or the yeah. low, like the two star and sometimes one, even three star, like three to two, one star. Yeah. I actually purposely look at them because I want to know what those reviews are saying because, and then I look at the four and five star cause I compare them between, you know, is this because somebody has a preference for something or is this because it's actually a problem with yeah. the book. And so I think they, they do serve a purpose, but the point and as is a, as a reader, the I author in that. Yeah. Yeah. As a reader, I trust four stars and three stars more. And actually I personally will go and read a three star review of the book. Um, it, it, before buying it, like those are the ones yeah. to me that I, as a reader trust more. So I, as a writer, like deeply respect all of the star levels that people are going to give me, I just don't want to see them <laughs> and I don't want to be tagged in it. So there's this fear, there's this anxiety that I've been living with yeah. because I now have all these tours and all these people reading these books. And I just sent out like 75 arcs, e-arcs, uh, you know, this week that one of them or some of them or whatever is going to tag me. And I'm already in such this like, sort of insecure place with my writing unfortunately it's just been a really hard year for me but I'm like I don't want to see it um and now I'm like do I even need to have like do I need every time I'm tagged in something do I need to send it to like you and my other friend before I even read it like is that where we're at because I yeah. need to protect my ability to write you know that's true yeah, I, I mean, and that's uh, something to think about when you're doing, you know, indie publishing is what does that look like for you? What is the fears? What are the fears that you deal with as not only a writer, which can be like, is this good enough? Like, did I do the plot enough? Did I do the characters enough? Did I do the romance enough? Did I, you know, like all these like things that you have to think about when you're writing, but also what is that? What, do, what are my fears going into doing like, um, independent publishing because I think we you do have to recognize your fears when you're going into publishing and, and kind of going out on this journey of doing something by yourself because <laughs> I'm laughing at the cat tail um, you have to know I think how to address them like a fear for you is reviews so because you've had you know maybe not so great okay I'll even say that bad experience um, from it's someone who yeah, I'm not afraid of reviews. I just, because of my place. But you know what I'm it at. can do to you too. Yeah. And so that, but that's what I mean is like, know what this fear will do to you and have a plan of like what to do about it. Like 
giving, letting us see the reviews before you see them, which yeah. I think that might be hard to control when you're being tagged in something. Yeah. But like Goodreads, what you did, you're like, I don't want my, I don't want to log in. I don't want to see them. So here you, you take care of this. And I think yeah. that's, um, yep. And that, that's actually like, that can even go for writers who are querying, um, that if you are a person who can't handle that, maybe those rejections to see them as they come in into your inbox, then have either a separate email or have a friend that can check that email for you. That's not ever been a fear of mine. So they just came into my email like any other email and I would be like, okay, rejection into the rejection. Yeah. Also, I feel like it's important to say that I haven't always been like this. When I was on submission, I could easily take a, editor's rejection and it was fine. I mean, over at the end of the day, they compiled and I was like, oh my God, nobody loves me and I'm a bad writer and all that, blah, 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 because that's just what failure can do to you. But I was able to read them and just be very, very objective. But it happened to be that that combined with agent stuff, combined with somebody I deeply trusted, all attacking every single level of my writing. It was almost like every single piece of writing somebody needed to attack this last year in a very deeply harmful way. And it made it so that I couldn't function. I couldn't function as a writer. That's why I've taken four months off. And I've enjoyed it because I've done a lot of art. I've made a lot of jewelry. I've bought a lot of shit that I didn't need to buy because I'm still ADHD and still have to do stuff. Um, <laughs> but I'm getting back to a place where like, I, I'm starting to trust myself more. And it's kind of funny because we're, we're talking about how negative reviews can harm you and impact you. But interestingly enough, I've been given a lot of energy and excitement by the people who have said a lot of positive things and I've gotten more to a place now where I'm like, these are the people I'm writing for. And that's all I want to focus on who cares about all the other stuff. And I'm getting closer and closer to being able to sit back down and write another word. Um, I know I feel bad because I'm like, everybody wants the book too. And I'm like, "Mm, me too. (laughs) I wish book two would write itself. <laughs> oh, well, you know, yeah. I get that. Or maybe that's even another fear is if it is successful, can I do this again? Will this happen again? I have that fear like, every time. I, every time I finish a book, that's a fear. I'm like, I, every time I finish a book, I'm like, I forgot how to do everything. What's a, what's a word? I mean, I went through that with my, the other book I was drafting too. Even when I was, even though, even though I've like been revising, I'm like, do I even know how to describe things? What is showing? I don't know. I don't know what that is. 100. I, I always think that every time I finish a book and I have to start a new one, I always think there's no way I can write as good of a book as that one. (laughs) And the truth is in the first draft. There is no way I can write as good of a book that way because I'm not a good first drafter. I, I, I really do well in revision and I need to tell my brain that, um, but brain doesn't like to hear that because brain perfectionist. There is one other thing that like beyond just reviews that's coming up for me a lot recently is because I'm launching this indie book and like nobody cares about me yet. I mean, the people who read my book, I think liked it. Um, but like, you know, <laughs> and, and it, it's one of those things. It's like, 
people don't care about you until they care about you. I'm probably going to repeat that phrase a billion times because it's so true. It's, it's true. And so, because you have to give them something to care about. And I know that objectively. Um, but my brain is like, so I've just been rejected a lot recently. I, I've been rejected from a couple of like conferences that I applied to go to. Um, and you know, it's like a, a knife to my heart. And Jamie even today was like, are you going to apply to this? And I was like, they just rejected me. I don't want to do that. I, I, my ego cannot survive this. I live in the land of Delulu. Well, and then through your rejection, I'm like, wait, I don't think I should apply because they're going to reject me because I'm not good enough yet. And I'm not somebody to care about either. Because again, and I understand it on an objective level. I'm not mad at these people because I would do the same thing if I were in their shoes. Right. But maybe, I don't know. I will apply again, but I will apply after I have something that, you know, they, there's something to care about there. Um, because I have a big ego. Um, I mean, it's in check. It's in a little box, but it's large. It's in a large little box. Yeah. Make it make sense. It is in, it is in a TARDIS. Okay. And I, I'm honest about this. Like I'm, I'm like 100. I will tell you all the things about myself. I'm very open, but I do have like a big, like, I, I, I have this need to be validated. I want to be good. I have a huge, lot of confidence, but I also can be really hurt and my ego can get really hurt. And my ego was really hurt and it felt really shitty. And I don't want to feel that again really soon, but I don't hold it against people. I mean, I'm a petty little yeah. bitch, but I don't hold it against people. <laughs> Villain I'm era. Villain era. <laughs> I'm a petty bitch, but I will never act on it. Yeah, I think that's, you know. So <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm part of the club. <laughs> um, but I'm the same way. I don't, I don't act on it, but I think it. Um, so, hey, just so you know that. I think that you have to, as someone who is being an entrepreneur, launching a business, because that's something that I will always say, as an indie author, you are a business owner, and you're running a business, and any successful entrepreneur who has become a major success has that drive in that kind of ego in the sense that it doesn't have to be a negative thing, but that's why they're successful, because they have this drive that's going to keep them going, and who, who that that sense of whatever if you want to call it delusion or this ego that's going to drive them to be successful, that they know that they can do this. And I don't think yeah. it has to be a bad thing, but I mean, it's the way that you use it and the way that you portray it and stuff like that. But, but internally, you know, and the confidence and the ego and all that, like, again, it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but I think it's actually really important to just be able to, to, well, I just think that a lot of the times that those people, are the ones who are successful. Well, yeah. I mean, just look at Queen Taylor Swift, right? I, I know, I think it's like in her documentary, Americana or Miss Americana, or I don't know where it was said because I'm not a huge Swifty. I'm just like, I'm a moderate to low level Swifty. I'm obsessed with her, but I don't know everything about her. I'm sorry, but um, definitely obsessed. Um, but, but, but she said it herself, like about the paparazzi. She's like, I dreamed 
to be at this level, to be this, mm-hmm. you know, this successful. And I've wanted this my whole life. I wanted to be on these stages. I wanted to do all of this. So ha- now I can't complain about the things that come along with it. And it, just that statement in itself shows you that she was dreaming that long mm-hmm. before she ever had that. I mean, she was really successful at very, like as a baby, but you know what I mean? So like, I think most successful people dream to be at that stratospheric, like Sarah J. Mass level, Rebecca Yaros level. And the only way you get there is through talent and tenacity. Um, and I'm going to try to bring some of both of those. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I've held on to that I heard on a, on a podcast, this is probably three years ago, is relentlessly persistent. And that has stuck with me this whole time and I have written it down on my calendar every month since I heard it like every month of my desk calendar it is written because to me that's like the statement that I will I will be relentless in this pursuit and I'm going to be persistent and I'm going to make it like I'm going to do this and I'm going to be successful because this is this is what I'm what I want and I'm not going to tell and let anyone tell me that I can't do it and then I can't achieve it. And that's where you let the pettiness fuel you, right? Like for me, the pettiness of being rejected from these conferences, you know, having the agents reject you, having the editors reject you, leaving my agent because she didn't really know how to steward my career in the way that I needed, or she didn't think I was good enough or whatever. I left her, but I have to assume that she didn't think I was good enough to write the books that I was pitching her. So, or I don't even know. But, um, like, I use all of that pettiness that I feel towards them to fuel me to be successful because the best revenge is success and you and you never yep. need to cash it in. You never need to go to that person and be like, look at me, bitch, I'm successful now. Yep. Because you don't need to. I mean people can and those are the people that aren't actually have you know the niceness to back it up because at the end of the day my one of the things that i care about the most as a person as a human being is generosity and kindness um and i will be as generous as possible like you dm me you want to know how to do any of this bullshit i will try to the best of my ability and energy to help you because i love helping people and i love kindness and i will always lead with kindness first so i don't need to cash in on that pettiness but it it will fucking fuel me i'm the same i would say i am 100% a supportive person. I genuinely want the best for everybody and I will do whatever's in my power to help you, even if it's at my expense. Um, because I just care so much about people and about people's success. But in, in this instance, like same thing, right? Like the rejections. And then if people, you know, kind of go, you know, oh, you're doing indie or whatever, like, I'm like, bitch, watch me. <laughs> It's that, um, yeah, it's that fuel to be like, excuse me, don't tell me I can't do this. Because if you tell me I can't do this, I'm going to show you that I can. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, so. it's a different podcast topic. And I don't even know that one we really want to tackle. But it, it never gets you anywhere to try to hurt other people oh, 100%. or harm other people. Yeah. All, you know, all ships rise when the tide rises, right? 
mm-hmm. there's a better way of saying that that phrase um but like being friendly and kind and helping yeah. others only will help you because readers read voraciously they want to read everything and if you help sharpen each other's swords and help each other promote and all that stuff it's only good for you i, I never understand this urge to go sabotage and hurt other people i i truly don't because I had a, in my heart, I just, I would feel horrible, but B, it's just like logically, if you're really going to narrow it down to like, what is actually going to be helpful for you on a selfish level, like that's never going to be helpful for you. So like, I've, I've never understood the urge to do that. Um, and I, and I genuinely feel like always lead with kindness. And the thing is, again, you don't have to cash in your pettiness because your success will speak for you. Oh, I agree. And I mean, I just, I can't agree with that more because I, again, same thing. I would never do anything to like hurt anybody or to bring anyone down because I am like you where I'm like the best success and the best form of revenge is to, to be successful, you know, to show that and to just be like, Hmm you know, you can see it, but I'm not going to show it to you. Like you'll see it anyway. You know what I mean? Like you, um, you'll know basically like I had, I had a, it's not really related, but kind of, and I had a person that I dated who told me that I could never finish anything. And who told me that I would never, cause I was doing like fitness, um, stuff or whatever. And I was, you know, working out and stuff like that. And they were like, Oh, well, you'll just never get to like where you want to go because of this, that, the other, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then like we broke up (laughs) and I was like, you know what? F you. And I went and did a fitness competition. So I like worked my ass off (laughs) and I like entered myself into a fitness competition. And I was like on stage, like in this fitness competition. And it's because it was the fuel. Yeah. It was the fuel to the fire that I was like, And I don't even care if they want to take credit for this at this point, because I was like, yeah, I can finish something and I can accomplish something. And I'm going to show you that I can, even though like, I don't care that it's like you, that was like this per it wasn't for you. It was for me, but it was because you told me I couldn't do something. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can do it. Well, and also on the other end of this, because I, I, again, I don't know if this author even knows I exist or this person knows I exist, but there was a person that I was following back when they were starting their career, but they were their content was kind of annoying me. <laughs> That's all the best way to say it. I but I and I there was just a lot of content and I just didn't really want to see it and it wasn't for me. You know, it wasn't for me. I wasn't their target audience. Um and I unfollowed this person and then I think they were following me and they unfollowed me. Um and you know, this person got super successful and don't I know it, <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, like I said, they don't have to cash in the petty. I know it, you know, I, I see it. That person wanted to be like, yeah, you didn't follow me. You didn't think I was good enough. Like they're stratospheric now in the, in, in a way. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the shit. You're like, I'm, I am the shit in this scenario. Like it's like, true. And would I want to yeah. follow them again now? Like totally. But it's not because they're successful. It's because they're now making content I'd rather see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, but I but I know I know I'm the shit in that scenario. That's why that person never needs to cash in their pettiness if they have any, you know? Yeah. Because um 
Because I know. I know what I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about fear that kind of trickled into other subtopics, but it's just that there is so much that this topic can encompass that we would never be able to really talk about in an hour um, or less. I think as an end note, what I would like to say is to know what your fears are and to, you know, come to terms with them so that you can make a plan for when you're, this really goes to anything in life, but when you're, when you're, dealing with them and so that way they don't stop you in your tracks when you're trying to achieve something definitely and also join the land of delusion with me yes <laughs> all right thank you for listening we're so grateful to have you by our side as we navigate the intricate waters of our writing journeys